Christ. And everyone here and in Colorado and online said, amen. You may be seated. Well, listen, I want to this morning, uh, he probably doesn't need an introduction to most of us because Colorado has, has met Tim and, and many of you here have met Tim. Many of you know Tim and are out today to, to see him. Um, but I want to say these things before he comes this morning. Uh, he's become a dear friend, he and his wife, in uh, Angie and I's life, and uh, a mentor. And more than that, someone who uh, just has a way of speaking into my heart and keeping me focused on the things that really matter. We all need that kind of person in our life, right? Close friend, but, but more than just a friend, a friend that can challenge us, amen? And Tim's done that on many occasions. I'm sure that there's uh, many more that will come. Uh, but I invite it because I don't, don't ever want to stop growing in Christ. I don't ever want to stop growing in my ability to relate to those people that are close to me. And I don't ever want to stop growing, come on, in my purpose to reach out to this world and share the love of Christ. Amen. If you will, that uh, wonderful phrase that we use here is that we want to reach up with love for God. We want to reach in with love for one another. And we want to reach out to a world that is in need of the love of Christ. Amen. And so we want to do that again. We welcome our campus uh, from Colorado. Would you all here and in Colorado put your hands together as Pastor Tim Whipple comes. Well, I always enjoy coming and uh, speaking wherever God opens the doors. But I especially love coming and hanging out with you guys and this, you folks in Colorado. Uh, one of these days, uh, we were backstage talking about l people who live part-time in Florida and part-time other places. I would be one of those reverse snowbirds. I would live in Florida in the summer, which doesn't make sense because it's hot as blue blazes here, right? And then I would go to Colorado in the winter so I could ski. So I'm, I'm envious of you folks in Colorado, a beautiful place. If you've never visited that state, you need to put that on your bucket list and go and visit the, that, them and those people. They're warm. They're, they're, it's different. Colorado's a really cool state. And, uh, and Florida is too. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Thank you for coming and hanging out with us. I love talking about what we're talking about today. Last week, pa Pastor Derek opened up a series that really focuses on purpose. And purpose is really at the very center, at the very core of who I am. Because Living on purpose is, is about living for something bigger than you. Do you, do you. do you ever have this thought of like, why am I here? People come to me all the time, I don't really know why I'm here. And, and maybe you're still young and you're kind of just kind of going through the motions and kind of figuring it out as you're kind of flying by the seat of your pants, which as many of us do. But, but at some point in our lives, we all reach that moment of crisis. Uh, uh, Henry Blackaby, the great author, says it's the crisis of belief moment, that we always, it's a crossroad. It's, a, am I going to go this way? Am I going to go that way? Or, or which way should I go? Is this all there is? It, isn't there more? You, you know what I'm talking about. Those moments where we kind of have to figure out our next. And, and we start looking for the whys. Why are we here? And uh, a great author, Sinek, wrote, you know, wrote a book called uh, Everything Starts With Why, right? Because it does. It starts with purpose, mission. Why are you here? Uh, let, let's squeeze it down. Why are you sitting in this room right now, this big dome, 
you know, here in, the, in Florida or, or Colorado, uh, your campus there. Why are we here? Why is the church here? We've got to kind of figure that out. And when we figure that out, it changes everything. It changes the trajectory of, of everything we do. It changes our, our impact. It changes our communities. It changes us. So today, that's what I want to focus on. And last week, Pastor Derek left you with a really strong statement. He sent me his notes, and I looked at them, and, and, and I was really captured by the last thing he said to you guys last week. And, and I want to take you back to it. He said this, set aside your preference and discover your God-given purpose. Setting aside your preference. Now, here's the thing that I want to kind of, kind of say from the beginning here. Preferences are not bad. You know, we go to a restaurant, we open up a menu, we have preferences. And I might be sitting with a group of people, I might be out, Don and I might be out with Angie and Derek, and, and, uh, and he orders steak and, and I order fish. That doesn't make me wrong, it doesn't make him wrong, it just means that in that moment we prefer something different. And preferences are not bad. You got up this morning and went to your closet and you looked at an outfit and you chose the one you preferred for this moment. For whatever reason, whatever drove you to do that, you had preferences. You'll go home and you'll turn on football this afternoon because the NFL is back and, uh, and you will prefer one team over another. Yesterday, many of you preferred this team that I don't understand why you prefer it. They're called the Gators and you do this thing and I don't get it, but you have a preference. I happen to have a different preference. I like God's team. You like the other guy's team. That's okay. <laughs> I get that. All right. But, but, Preferences are not bad. They're really not. But when preferences rule our lives, they can keep us from discovering the ultimate purposes God has for us. So I want to ask you a really big question today, and I want you to think about it. You might even want to write it down and process it this week. Because again, what we talk about in here is not meant to stay here. You have to take it out there and then apply it to your everyday, your walking around life. All right, so this question I want you to look at, it's really important. Are you living your life on purpose or in preference? Ask yourself that. Be, be real. Now, here's the thing. Externally, we can lie, and some of us do it really, really well. All right? We fake it. Some of you, you'll come in here and you fake it. I got to turn on my church space, right? I got to do the church thing. And, and we can do externally, we can lie and we can fake it really, really well. But internally, did you know that inside, in your heart, in your gut, in your mind, you can't lie? You know what's true. So I want you to ask yourself the question, do, am, do I tend to lean towards preference? Or do I tend to search and seek purpose? That's the big question that we have to. And we have to flip the equation. The, 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 ma the vast majority of us have this, uh, this equation of preference over purpose. We have to flip that. And we have to start seeing our lives purposely and put purpose over preference. And now, in order to do that, let's talk about what preference is. 
A good definition of preference is this, a very strong belief held with great strength. Now think about your preferences. Think about the things that you like, that you lean towards, that you navigate towards, that become your choice. You tend to have great belief about that. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having preferences and choosing to live your life in the areas that you prefer versus the areas that you don't prefer. There's nothing wrong with that. It, it's those things we tend to cling tightly to. It's those things that we tend to grab a hold of, as the definition describes, with great strength. But let me warn you about preferences. Preferences change. Think about it. Those of you who are my age, or maybe a little... Those of us who were teenagers in the 70s, you want to live that again? Right, we, we had these preferences that it, 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 we've got pictures to prove, right, that probably should never be lived again, right? And maybe you're thinking back in your own life, I don't care how young or old you are, think back to the way you dressed just 15 years ago. Would you do that again? Think about the music you listen to. Now, I happen to think 70s rock and roll still rules, but, we'll, but, but the thing is that our preferences change. What is here today is gone tomorrow. What we like changes, and it changes often. But, but here's the thing. In the moment, we grip hard to that. We prefer it. This is my choice. I want this. But tomorrow, we tend to discard it, don't we? We do that with things. We do that with people. Think about people that you preferred that now that you've gotten older, you're like, eh, I really don't want to hang out with those people anymore. Right? They're, they're not my thing anymore. So preferences change. But let me help you understand purpose. And a definition of purpose is this, a belief or conviction that will not change. Purpose doesn't change. Now, how you flesh that purpose out, that oftentimes changes. You're sitting in an example of that. The, this building that, that had a purpose, and, and then that purpose was lost, and then how we find that purpose and how we flesh that purpose out changes over time. If you don't change periodically, right, in the style and the direction and your focus, then, then you tend to lose your position but the purpose behind it, the, the, the foundation underneath it, doesn't change. You see, purpose is something that is, is held with conviction. And, and conviction is non-negotiable. What are you convinced about? Think about it. What do you hold with conviction? And, and it, it's non-negotiable in your life. You'll follow it whatever the cost. It compels you. It propels you. It drives you. What, what in your life does that? And see, the church needs to find its purpose. They need to find that thing that they are convicted about, that thing that they are convinced about. In Hebrews chapter 11, Paul says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and the conviction of things not seen. See, your faith, are you convinced 
about what it is we're here for. Not your preferences, but your purpose, your why, your reason for being here. Again, in Romans chapter 8, Paul says, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ our Lord. Are you convinced of that? Are you convinced? Better yet, are you so convinced that you want to convince others? Purpose. Let me, let me give you an earth-shattering thought or idea. And, and you need to know this. And I say this to just about every congregation that I get the opportunity to speak. And I say it over and over and over and over again. And I one time said it in a church that I was leading. And, and uh, an individual came up to me afterwards and said, When are you going to stop saying that? I said, When you get it. And here's the earth-shattering statement. It's not about you. It's not. What are you convinced of? Are you convinced that this message, this hope that we cling to, are you convinced that God wants to literally change your world and the world around you? Are you convinced that God wants to take this space and that space in Colorado and use it to impact the world forever, for eternity? Are you convinced of that? Or are you preferentially keeping it for yourself and then in, in, in turn, because it's for you, then you think you will have to shape it in the way that you prefer? Think about that. That's a little hard to swallow sometimes. What, well, Tim, but, but what about me? That's usually the next response. It's not, okay, it's not about me, but what about me? I, I meet with pastors who are in struggling churches, and, and oftentimes I talk to them pretty bluntly, and I say, maybe you, the leadership in this church needs to change, and they, but, but what about me? What's going to happen to me? It's not about you. But here's the hope. As soon as you figure out it's not about you, it'll become all about you. Because Jesus is all about you. You see that? That makes sense, does it? It's kind of, it's contrary to the way we operate in our lives. But remember, we have to be convinced that this message of hope is for the world. And if we reach the world, then it in turn changes and shapes us into all that we were meant to be. Are you who you want to be as a church, as individuals, as sharers and carriers of this hope that we have in Christ Jesus? Are you convinced? You see, you need to know this big thought, and that is that your preference is not led by the Holy Spirit, but your purpose is. We, we sang a song earlier. Jake led us in a song about the Holy Spirit. And I listened to you, and you sang, and you sang. But, but there are words on a screen, or there are words in a song. There are lyrics. But are they purposeful in your life? The Holy Spirit wants to direct your purpose. 
Your, the Holy Spirit doesn't direct your preferences. Why? Because that's about you. And the Holy Spirit is about something bigger than you. The Holy Spirit not only transforms us, yes, that is about you, but he leads us, he equips us, he guides us, he commands us, he sends us. Next week I get the opportunity to share with you again, I'm going to talk about that. But here's the thing, you need to live sent. Look, look at me. Are you living as if you have been placed there for purpose? You're not going to leave here and do anything that God cannot use to reach people for Him. The restaurant you're going to go to after this. The, the school you're going to go to tomorrow. The workplace you're going to go to. The, 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 the people you're going to connect with. Those are all opportunities to live on purpose. To live sent. Are you living as if you were sent there? Because the Holy Spirit leads us. He equips us. He sends us. The problem is we live in preference instead of living in purpose. Listen, here's the truth you need to know about preference. Your preferences become weak when you're faced with crisis. Y'all understand that you all have these great personalities. And I'm learning some of your personalities, and you're learning mine, and some of you know me, and some of you don't. But we all have personalities, and we kind of need to learn who people are, right? But did you know that under extreme, let's, let's say you're, a, you're an extrovert. I'm an extrovert, for those of you who don't know that. Um, haven't figured that out, but I'm very extroverted, right? I am type E, uh, highly extroverted. But did you know that under extreme crisis, I actually become introverted. My wife is nodding her head right now. She says, yeah. I go into a cocoon. I lock myself away, which is not my nature. It's not who I am. But under pressure, that's what I become. And under pressure, our preferences don't survive. That's why we change. That's why we flip-flop. That's why we become, uh, you know, Friends for a moment and not friends in the next moment. That's how we can reject and, and eject and leave people behind. Because under crisis, our preferences are weak. You need to understand that. But our purposes in the Spirit have power. And there's evidence of that throughout Scripture. Uh, in Acts chapter 13, Paul and Silas are sent out on purpose. In Acts chapter 20... Uh, Paul is sent to Jerusalem in John chapter 16. Jesus says, I will guide you to truth. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Holy Spirit equips us, the body of Christ. And in Galatians 5, we see the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness. In other words, we don't reject it. We don't live. We don't leave it behind. We don't become the opposite of what we state. In 1 Timothy, Paul tells him, or sorry, in 2 Timothy, Paul tells you the Holy Spirit will give you power and self-control. But in our preferences, all of those things go away. So if we're going to live in the Spirit, then we're going to have to be open to the idea that maybe that Spirit's going to lead us to something we hadn't even thought about. 
What is it that God wants to do in, for, and through you that you have not even thought about yet? Because you're letting yourself become clouded by your preferences. I, I remember when I first started planting. Well, let, let, me, let me go back even further. Um, when I first, God first started calling me into ministry. And by the way, I have young preachers that come to me and say all the time, I think God's calling me. And I say, hang up and see if he calls back. Because you don't want to do this. If you want to do this, you probably shouldn't. And when I first, God was first calling me to ministry, I got to tell you, I ran from it. I do not want to do that, God. That is not my preference. Right? You see, God, God oftentimes chases us and by the way i need you to know something about that chase god doesn't get tired like you and i do he keeps coming he will pursue you god is pursuing you for something bigger than you do you understand that he's got a plan and a purpose for your life a great example of of god's pursuit and god's long persistent perseverance it's found in the, in the book of Exodus. It's, we know the story of the Israelite people, right? You know, they were in, in, in slavery. Do you know how long they were in slavery? 430 years. When you become enslaved into something for 430 years, you become pretty preference-driven, right? And, and, and you're kind of entrenched, you're kind of stuck. And that's where many of us are spiritually. And, and that's a question you've got to ask, am I stuck? You know, am I stuck? I, I've often said that pastors should come to the platform with a crowbar because some of you need that, that on you. Some of you need to knock in the head with it, but others of you need to be pried loose from what it is that you've become so attached to. And so here's these Israelite people. They've been in slavery for 430 years, and all of a sudden, they're free. All of a sudden, they've been released. And in Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 and 18, it tells us this really neat part of the story. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds, ah, preferences change, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God let, led the people around by the way of the wilderness Toward the Red Sea, and the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Now, now that's a simple little part of the story that we tend to often gloss over. We look for the really cool parts, the Red Sea and all that cool stuff. But this is a really pivotal and important point. And God is kind of indicting, and, and he's foreshadowing, and he's saying, look, I know these people, and I know what they've been dealing with, and as soon as it gets tough for them, they may kind of lean back, even though it's to slavery, they may lean back to that which I have freed them from. And so I've got a plan that's not going to make sense to them in the moment, but in the long term, it will. And so we see in the story that what God does is he leads them the long way. Because if he leads them the short way, what are they going to do? Uh, maybe that's better than this, right? Because in the moment, our preferences tend to control us. And, and so he leads them the long way, and that wasn't their preference. Some of you maybe are being led the long way. 
and you prefer that God kind of hurry up. Right? Second Peter tells us that God is not slow in the way we understand slowness. You see, God, God, God doesn't operate the way we... His timing is not our timing. And, and these people, they were being led the long way. It wasn't their preference. And here's the thing that you need to know. God had a purpose in mind for them. And God has a purpose in mind for you. The long way wasn't punishment. See, we oftentimes look at the long way or, or, or the process as being a punishment from God. No, he had, he had an end in mind. God, God is way beyond what you and I are experiencing. So he wasn't punishing them. He was leading them. They needed work. They weren't prepared for battle yet. They needed to work some things out. God's way doesn't always seem like the best way. It doesn't always seem that way to us. If we define best in our terms, how do we define best? Shortest? What's the best way for you to get home today? Oh, well, it'll be shorter if... What's the best restaurant to go to? The one that I don't have to wait outside very long. Right? And here's the thing. We'll choose lesser food for a quicker response tell me you don't do it how many of you go through mcdonald's drive-thru it's lesser food but hey it's quick i get my momentary satisfaction i may pay for it later because you see in our preferences the shortest way is often the way we choose the the most comfortable way the most convenient way Nod your heads. Right? Listen, the truth is this. God did not call us to be comfortable. He called us to be courageous. I got to come on back there. Should have got a lot more of that. God did not call you to comfort. He called you to be courageous. He called you to be obedient. He called you to live on purpose. And that's what he was doing with the Israelite people. And they didn't understand it. But looking back, you see, oftentimes we don't know God's will. As a matter of fact, most of the time, me personally, I've never known God's will looking forward. But I always see it when I look back. Right? Because you see, if I could see it looking forward, I wouldn't need faith. I just, oh, well, that's easy. I'll just choose that. But when I look back, and sometimes I look back, and that long process, that thing that I didn't understand in the moment, that thing that was uncomfortable, that thing that required great risk, was worth it. Because it led to the purpose God has called me to. See, God has called you and I to live on purpose. I want you to know this truth. Instead of leading you the short way to what you want, God often leads you the long way to what you need. God may be leading you in a long way. It, you, it may be tough right now, but trust the process. Trust his purpose. Here's some truths about purpose that you need to know. Purpose is powerful. It's power in your life. The Holy Spirit 
came in power to give you power. And all the power that existed in the one that we worship here today exists in you through the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? You understand that everything, when Jesus left here, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and I give it to you. Then why are we sitting here in our preferences? Why are we afraid to act on what God has called us to? Why are we not stepping out in courage and in strength and in power and in purpose? You see, purpose is powerful, but purpose causes us to stretch. You know, it's easy to lay in bed. Every one of you this morning were laying there, and you thought, just five more minutes. If I could just get five more minutes. But then there was this thing that happened to every single one of you after the alarm went off the fourth time. But there was this thing that happened in every one of you. You did this in preparation to move and discover what God has for you in this day. You see, we have to be willing to stretch because stretch, stretching equals growth. Stretching prepares us for our next. Purpose is powerful. It causes us to stretch. And it causes us to reach. Right outside your doors are not hundreds, not thousands. And I'm talking about Colorado. I've stood on your hill in Colorado Springs, guys, and looked both ways at the houses being built as fast as they could build them. And we know what's happening here in Pinellas County, the explosion and the growth. Outside of our doors, whether we're in this location or in Colorado, are not hundreds, not thousands, not tens of thousands, but hundreds of thousands of people that need to be reached. I shared with a pastor last week, I had lunch with two very prominent pastors in our community. And one of them said, I'm just not sure we need to plant a campus there. We were talking about a specific area. And I said, listen to me. We could plant churches every week for the next 10 years and not put a dent in the lost people we have in our community. For goodness sake, if you have the resources and the leadership, plant. Plant. Get busy. Yeah, but there's a good church. I don't care. Help them grow and reach alongside them and grow with them. You guys are positioned as a church to impact this culture for the kingdom. You have been called to it, but you have to be willing to set aside your preferences and focus on the purpose and reach. Listen to me. If you truly are convinced of who Jesus is, you have to reach people. You don't have a choice. Because purpose is the reason for which something exists. Do you know why you're here? Do you know why we're here? Purpose is the reason for which something is done. And purpose is the reason for which something is made. Look at those three important words. Exist. Underline that. Done. Made. You were created for purpose. For a mission. To do something bigger than just consume. You were... You were made to reach. You were made to impact. You were made 
to be a part of this great calling that God has called everyone to. You were made for a purpose. And what you do here needs to be on purpose because that's why you exist. Anything else needs to be set aside. What would happen if we all lived on purpose? I take you back to what Pastor Derek shared last week. We need to set aside our preferences and discover our God-given purpose. Bow your heads with me, if you would, please. I want you to think for just a moment. Just process. I want to take you back to that question that we asked earlier, that super important question. Are you living on purpose? Or are you living in preference? Be honest with yourself. Be, be real about that. Are you living on purpose? With purpose? If not, right now, in this moment, as we begin to play some music and, and, and prepare for closing things out today, I, I would be remiss if I didn't just challenge you and push you. You are not here. You are not here to just consume and, and just go through the motions. We are not here to just gather and walk away and say, well, I checked that off the list for today. We are here because we're convinced that that love that Jesus shared with us is for the world too. Right now, would you just simply ask God, God, help me to set aside my preferences. Nothing wrong with them. I can still have preferences. But when they tend to stay on the top of or, or ride over my, my, my purpose, God, help me to know that. God, right, right now, would you help me to understand why I'm here? Why I was made? Why I need to do the things that you're calling me to do? Let me know why I exist. And then, God, give me the courage. Give me the strength. The power that comes through your Holy Spirit. Go out and live on purpose. Forgive us, Father, where we step into our preferences. Forgive us, Father, where we forget who we are and why we're here. But, God, would you take these people here in Largo, Colorado Springs. And would you, would you use us in ways that maybe we haven't even thought or imagined yet? And would you do something in us? Would you do something through us that when we step back and look back, we say there's no way that would have ever happened apart from you. And God, would you use us to change our world? We love you. And we want to live on purpose. In Jesus' name.
put your hands together and give the Lord a honoring hand clap and also Tim for that amazing word from the Lord. I'm take a moment and just share something with you. Um, so basically for about the last six months, Angie and I were kind of coming and going from here back to Colorado and get a lot of questions like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing it that way? <laughs> Can we do it a different way? Here's the thing. I was asked for a church, for a community that was looking to possibly shut down. I was asked, would I come? And when I help to restart something, could I, could I provide some leadership maybe that would help to reestablish this church community? And our church community in Colorado, our leadership in Colorado, the leadership down here, the back and forth, like six different steps of, you know, being obedient and, and people wanting it. And I got to tell you that, that in the midst of that, sometimes my conversations with Tim even is, man, I, what am I doing this for? Let me say, it's, it wasn't my preference. Colorado, for those watching online, I look, there's a relative comfort in having a, a whole team of leaders in the church being in a place. Well, pastor, why are you going out there? Sometimes that can be the question. Because God called. I ain't no question choosing a purpose over preference. Because there would have been a preference to just stay in relative comfort because it was comfortable. But my team... Our churches, everybody chose the discomfort of doing it a different way. Come on, somebody. Amen. When God comes knocking on your door and says, hey, could we do this a different way? Gideon, when he was hiding over in the, you know, the wine press, if you understand, it's a depressed area out in the field, and he's actually doing wheat, not wine. <laughs> Just so you know, it's the harvest of wheat. He's in there. He's threshing because he's down in this depressed area in the earth hiding from the enemy just so he can get a little bit of grain for his family considered to be the smallest right in his family and god comes knocking and says gideon you mighty man of valor now you're hiding getting just getting a little bit of food and saying who me and who me would i have chose me i say to god all the time i'd have chose somebody else but god's looking for people who will be willing and obedient to pursue purpose over their preferences and let me say this every every single day not once in a while every single day how do i know that because jesus himself said that the harvest is great but the laborers are few and anytime we hear labor i don't know about you but my mind runs to yeah i don't know if i want to work hard i don't know if i want to choose the purpose over my preference i'd rather rest than i would to work come on somebody yeah, yeah. but we got to be okay with doing the work of the lord not just enjoying the rest that he came to give us and he came to give us a rest from that cross of grace and peace and joy but he has a great purpose for each and every one of us that we've got to step up and we got to answer that call even though we don't know what it all looks like We've got to be willing to say yes to him and trust him that although sometimes it doesn't look like the way we want it to, that he knows better than we know. Amen. That's right. And I am I'm just blessed to serve here uh, in Largo, Florida, our church body in this community. I'm blessed to serve in Colorado uh, with our church body in that community. And I want you to know that, you know, the phone calls and the email. Hey, what are you doing? How are you doing this? I don't know how I'm doing it yet still figuring that out. God's still kind of 
ordering my steps. Did you know the footsteps of a righteous man are ordered of who? The Lord. And I just want to take a step and let him order my next step and my next step. And if we'll do that, I'm telling you, one day we'll turn around and we'll look back and go, look at what God did. Because we know it wasn't us that actually did it. We were just willing to take the steps of obedience and be a part of what he is doing. Amen. So I want to pray for us as we go today. And I appreciate you all uh, keeping uh, the church lifted up in your prayers, Colorado and here, that there's an exchange that's taking place, that the world will hear of our faith. Amen. That all around the world, the faith of Reach Church would be heard of. Amen. That's right. Uh, Look, I got to spend uh, the last few days with uh, 30 leaders from across the nation in Open Bible, young leaders. And... uh, and all I know is they're like, hey, so you're doing this thing in Florida and Colorado. And man, how are you doing? And, and you got to understand other people are hearing of what God is doing through us here in Largo and in Colorado. And there's great interest. Why? Because they know it's bigger than me. They know it's bigger than us. God's involved in it. Amen. Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you, God, for those in this room, those that are in Colorado, and Lord, those watching online, tuning in and just becoming a part of uh, this body of believers in the way that they can. And Lord, I ask your best over their life, your blessings, but God, more than that, I ask for your anointing over their life, for there to be a clear understanding in their minds and their hearts of exactly what you, Lord, are calling them to do, where you're sending them. And Lord, may they always have deep conviction and understanding of the message that you've given them, a message of love and grace, mercy, Lord, and truth, so that those that hear it might be set free, Lord, to live for you all the days of their life. God, I ask for health, Lord God, I ask for joy, and I ask for the peace, Lord God, that comes only by your spirit dwelling in us over the life of every person today. And I pray, God, that their families, Lord, would be, Lord God, uh, restored where there might be uh, broken or fractured relationships. God, I pray for forgiveness to flow freely. I pray, God, that for, for the extending of forgiveness to those in their lives, that, Lord, they wouldn't hold people to the things, Lord God, that you don't even hold us to. But that, Lord, they would release those things today. That marriages, Lord God, would be restored families, friendships. Lord, as that sweet presence of Jesus, Lord God, moves in those areas, that there would not be division in households and there would not be division in your house, Lord, but there would be a uniting of the Spirit in the bond of peace so that, Lord, our focus is on pushing back the works of darkness, pushing back the works of the devil, Lord God, and seeing your light manifest in as many lives as we can possibly impact in Jesus' mighty and precious name. And everybody said this morning, amen. God bless you. Let's sing as we go.